Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to let you know about something new at ESPN. The Peabody and Emmy award-winning 3030 documentary series presents The Tuck Rule, a documentary that examines one of the most controversial plays in sports history. See the legendary Charles Woodson and Tom Brady discuss, for the first time, the call that changed it all. Watch live February 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. It'll be available the next day on ESPN+. Also, check out the First Draft podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and friend of the pod, Field Yates, who bring you the latest intel on the NFL draft every Monday and Thursday. Listen wherever you get your pods. Check out the Monday shows on ESPN YouTube. Welcome back to the Minicon Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts hears Burrow and Chase and thinks, those are two of my favorite activities. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. Uh, and I'm joined today by a first-time guest, truly an honor, the host of the Man-to-Man podcast, Darius Butler. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor. I think we met um, at the draft in Cleveland. No. Nashville. Nashville. Oh, my God. Was that the trip? Yep, Nashville. Yep. Makes me feel old. Jeez, Louise. I think uh, me, you, Jason, it may have been Gold Jr., Dominique Foxworth, maybe was yep, in the mix. Yeah. Yep. Well, you. I think Gold was there. Me, you, and Jason for sure. All right. Well, we have bonded over our affinity for Justin Herbert's throws, um, and I, I, I'm so excited to have you on this spot in particular because um, basically, you and I are going to talk about the championships, and I, I really want to talk to you about everything the Bengals did on defense. Obviously, that is your expertise. I cannot wait to discuss that with you. But um, before we get into the games, it has been an, a wild day on, of NFL news. <laughs> and I say that, um, <laughs> which I, Tom Brady retired today or announced his retirement. And that is not at all the biggest story. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, wild. it's unbelievable. Okay. Unbelievable. I mean, I mean it's, yeah, it's. As soon as you thought it was going to be a couple of dead weeks before the Super Bowl, you know, the NFL is getting sued. Uh, Brady finally did announce his retirement. But um, this the NFL, man, the best reality TV in the world. It's pretty remarkable. So I, let, let, I want to talk to you about the lawsuit before we get into the games. Um, I really don't want to talk about Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't really. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there'll be plenty of time to talk about the Bucks afterwards and their future. But uh, so basically... Just, I've got the details in front of me. News broke about four o'clock today that Brian Flores, uh, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, is suing the NFL and the Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants, alleging racial mm. discrimination. And they're in his interview processes. And there, there's a ton of stuff in here. Um, I, I would say the most, the bullet points for the, the first of all, <laughs> Uh, he accuses the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, of offering to pay him $100,000 for every game he lost. So that in and of itself is bonkers. And if there's any, um, I guess, I, I would say validity to, to it, but if the NFL, if, if Flores can prove that at all, I mean, before we get into other stuff, I would think Stephen Ross won't be an NFL owner anymore. Oh, I, I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, it's crazy. I don't even think, that far just because um you know it it, it's it's big business and obviously we know it's we look at the ratings we see the numbers we know how much Mm -hmm. money they make and uh, unfortunately that's that's what it usually comes down to um you know here in in this country in the society we live in and um, so i don't i don't think you know i think it'll you know be some slaps on the wrist 
as far as that go. And I think ultimately, unfortunately, they'll probably settle this, um, you know, out of court. But it, 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 it's wild, just the statements. It, it's not it's wild and not wild at the yes. same time because you, you would think that, you know, Brian Flores would, um, you know, obviously still want to coach. A lot of people were yeah. shocked. I was one of them at him even being fired and being available after how they finished the season down here in, in Miami. And I'm a South Florida guy, so I, I've been a fan of the Dolphins for a long time. I worked with Coach Flores my first two years in New England, my first two years in the league. I'm so familiar with him. Um, and, and him even still being available at this point shows that it's an issue with the hiring process. And we've seen it time and time again. I've obviously seen it being, you know, in the belly of the beast mm -hmm. for nine years and just seeing how things operate, being in rooms, being on teams with black coaches, with minority coaches, and knowing that they're not getting the same opportunity to, um, you know, to be promoted and, and to go on and be coordinators or head coaches to get in that pipeline. Like uh, I was talking about the other day, and um, with, with Pat McAfee. And I was like, man, I, I've had a coach in my room who I knew was the smartest guy in the room. But because of his title, I would literally have to wait until meetings were over to have side conversations with him to get some clarity on coverages or defenses because he didn't feel comfortable speaking up, you know, with the white coaches who were above him. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's a problem. And, and I think it will remain um, a problem. Unfortunately, I don't think this will solve anything because once again, we're still going to watch the game. Yes. You know, they're still going to break records every year, every week. And, and until that actual cha actually changes, until sponsors or the money actually changes as, hey, something needs to happen here. I think that's the only uh, way we'll see some real change. Well, all, all we can do or all I can do, I guess, is continue talking about it and holding the league's feet to the fire on it. And um, there's a lot of fire here. There's a lot of smoke. And um, I guess if, <laughs> if there's a if there's a smoking gun, it is uh, the text in the lawsuit from mm. Bill Belichick, you mentioned New England, to Brian Flores, uh, basically congratulating him for getting the Giants job. Flores is like, oh, thanks. I'm on my way. I, 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 I'm paraphrasing. I think I got a shot at it. And Belichick's like, oh, my bad. Meant to send that to Brian Dable, who is, of course, the head coach of the New York Giants. And if these texts are real, I, I have no reason to believe they're not. I think it would be it kind of, I, I mean, know, right? why, why they're probably real. Um so for real, uh, the implication, of course, is that Flores' interview was a sham interview. He also accuses of uh, the Broncos of basically submitting him to sham, sham interviews. And um, this is not surprising, like, right? The, the, the seeing it laid bare is surprising, but it's something <laughs> I think everybody suspected with regards to the Rooney rule and a lot of these interviews. But what is surprising to me, Darius, is like you mentioned, Brian Flores is 40 years old. He if not this cycle, one would imagine would continue to be brought up again and again, and again as a head coach candidate or at least defensive coordinator. And in doing this, he very likely put the rest of his career at risk. I mean, doesn't is to oh, me, yeah. that's the most the stunning part of all of this, not, not what he's alleging, but the fact that he had the, the courage to come forward. Yeah, yeah. And um, like you said, and this is when you put your all in, into this game um, for as long as he has um, playing it, coaching it. And like you said, young, yeah. as far as when you look at head coaching and then, and then you know, for a, a black coach, you know, he was hired pretty young, got opportunity, um, I think overachieved, honestly, if we're looking at it um, down there in Miami. So you would have thought that he would have got another shot. 
Um, so it, this has to be, you know, bigger than football for him. I think that was a part yeah. of his statement as well. Like, hey, I think I got a gift and I love coaching, paraphrasing here. But, you know, this is kind of bigger than that. And, um, you know, I, you know, it's honorable, you know, and I think he is trying to make a change. And I think it'll be some other coaches that that get in on the lawsuit as well. And, um, yes. you know, it'll, it'll create. And like you said, all we can do is is continue the conversation and hopefully hopefully that it actually creates change down the line, because all we want, you know, we just want the, the best person to get the opportunity. Yeah. And, that, and, and you look at the league and the face of the the teams usually are the head coaches, even more so than the GMs or the presidents. Like the head coach is the guy that has to answer the questions. He has to address the media. He's the, you know, the the person that's going to really be one of the faces of that franchise. And I had a conversation with, you know, a GM um, a few years back, maybe was this two years ago, I think 2020, and uh, a former GM. And uh, we were talking about this and because I was talking about, you know, did I want to get in a coaching or front office? Because I, I thought at that point, you know, what I want to get in here and try to make a change. I should have a coaching tree. I should have a GM tree or something. I can get in there and do this. And he in our conversation, this guy I'm pretty close with. He was like, you know what? Like, but like it, it, it comes that more than not, it comes down to who would the guys rather have a beer with? Yeah. You know, when it comes down to who they hire or not. And. And and that's and when you buy something for however much and you own something that's worth billions of dollars, um, to that side of it, it is you know, hey, I'm gonna run this organization how I see fit. I'm gonna have the face of this organization how I see fit. So I think the real answer to diversity and all these different things would be creating another league, creating some real competition, and then that maybe that will put some feet to the fire and say, oh, okay, okay, now they're really doing something different here. But as long as we're in the old, the good old boys club yeah. league, like this is kind of how it's going to go until they say, Hey, it's time to change. And and I've, I had some, uh, before I left in 2017 and I was a year when the, the president at the time had called out the players for kneeling and you mm-hmm. know, called Kappa SOB. And then we had a sit down meeting with, it was about 13 or 14 of the owners. And it was probably about 13, 14 of the players up in New York. And we're literally sitting at a round table and, it's like you know player player team owner team owner player like we were kind of mm-hmm. sitting it wasn't just owners on one side play like we we're all sitting and literally having conversations and this was about you know a lot of the things that um cap was kneeling for and it was just really eye-opening to me to just hear them speak <laughs> and i mean it wasn't like they were hiding how they felt about things and, and that really opened my eyes to like all right you know what i don't really think it's going to be any change here like they're kind of setting their ways and they own the damn yeah. league so at the end of the day what are we going to really do about it especially if um you know ratings are are doing what they're doing you know every year i think that's so accurate and really at the heart of this because you know like <sighs> We talk about this issue like every year, right? And it's gotten worse and worse over the last six or seven years. Every year. Every year. We got one black hair. There's one right now. I want to say four or five years ago, there were six. And I remember at the time, um, you know, everybody was always trying to look for, okay, well, what's the solution? Well, you know, the problem is they want uh, the next McVeigh and we got to boost the black offensive pipeline. And, you know, uh, there's not enough black quarterbacks who become quarterback coaches and da, da, da. And I'm sorry, but like, that's bullshit. Like at this point, we've seen so many white coaches hired who don't fit that mold, who are special teams guys like Joe Judge, who come from college, like Matt Rule, who are, um, you know, first time defensive play callers, even guys from 
you know, every possible background. And I think like, I understand the pipeline argument. Like, I think it's a worthy endeavor, but it's not going to solve the problem in the same way that the Rooney rule clearly hasn't solved the problem. Because as you said, the problem is ownership. The problem is ownership. The problem is the guys who make these decisions like, you know, they are, as you said, um, they have their own biases, their own networks, their own tendencies, probably a lot of which they aren't even conscious of. And, it's just not going to change. And I do think it's no- notable, by the way, it, Darius, yeah. today, the Denver Broncos announced they're for sale. And if and we talk about what the NFL can do, the NFL can try to at least diversify their ownership. I don't think they, that I, I, I don't yeah. think it's going to happen, but just at least as a starting point, that's something I would put forward. I mean, it will help. And, and, and when we look at this and I have this, cause this is like you said, we talk about this every year and, and people talk about it a lot, but, um, when you really look at the the NFL or, or the leagues in general, um, it's not much different than you know corporate America as a whole. One, you know, the workforce looks a certain way, and then as you go up that ladder, once you get into the C suite, once you get into the executive levels and the people, the the men and women that are really calling the shots, you know, it gets wider and wider as you go up. That's just what it is, you know systemic and systemically in this country so like it, when you look at the nfl because we all see it in the product on the field you know it is a meritocracy where hey, mm-hmm. the guys out there they earn it you know if the guy's playing tip more times than not like that guy's earn it we watch them play we everybody's great and the pff's talking about it, i'm talking about it, you're talking about them so you can see that it's being fair on the field but as you go up i mean literally one step up to the coaches now you see some favoritism. Then you go to front office. And then obviously what ownership looks like, you see where it starts. So it's not much different uh, than corporate America a- as a whole. Um, and I think it's harder for, for us to separate it because it is sports. And it's like, hey, the league is 70-something percent mm-hmm. black with the players. And then we get to these positions. And even core, I mean, we just – honestly, we just started getting a fair shot at playing quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so it, – it, it's it's crazy to even think about that we're still here in 2022 mm-hmm. and even the one black head coach that we do have mike tomlin he was a receiver and he was uh told informed basically like, hey you should maybe switch over to the defensive side of the ball so because you can move up faster on that side of the ball as a young black coach and he did and he got hired by the Roonies, and he's been there for for 15 years so it's definitely an issue and um you know when you, i i have my opinion which is you know not popular, but I just think it's the real one. Just being that I've been so close into it, I know we can talk and we can rally and we can have cute things put in the back of the end zones or in the back of the helmets. But the change is really going to change when that bottom line it starts to get affected. And until that happens, um, I don't think we'll really have any real, uh, you know, real substantial change. Let me ask you one more question. Um, you know, the other thing people say first, people say, you know, hire the best man. Well, that's not happening clearly but the the other thing they'll say well well, how do you even know that you know there are uh you know young black coaches or older black coaches you know who are aiming for these jobs and and well we know that now because we talk to them because we hear from them and (laughs) and you know a lot of coaches around the nfi what are your conversations like with assistants around this issue how do they feel when you when you talk to them about it and and then i guess the concept of mobility yeah, it's it's discouraging. You know, it, it really is. And, and just like you said earlier, by Flores speaking out on this, like he's essentially sacrificing. Like you're going to win this lawsuit or settle. Yeah. 
or you're going to go and get a coaching job. Like, I don't see both happening. I don't think – even I saw the same thing with Cap. You know, once he continued to do what he did, I'm like, okay, this is going to go one or two ways. Like, you know, he's – I don't expect to see him playing in the league again. Um, and this is the same sacrifice that kind of I think Flores is making at this point. So it is discouraging. And once again, like, you don't have a voice. Now, I would never compare – and this is my personal opinion. I know people do all the time. I would never compare, you know, NFL or NBA or anything like that to slavery or anything like that because we 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 know what we sign up for as players, as coaches. We're getting paid handsomely and all these different things. But once you get in there, there is a certain structure that it's like, hey, you are, you know, you don't have the same opportunities or the same voice. And I talked about this um, because I threw my hat in the, you know, when the coordinator job came available with the Colts. Hmm. And I said, hey, coach, I'm available. And the, the reason I haven't gone into coaching, like, right out of playing, which most of my teammates thought I would, even the coaches that I played for, was because of this. It's discouraging to even get in. Like, um, because just like we know people, like, you know people in media. You've been in media for a while. People talk. You work with guys, whether it's or, or gals in front of the camera, behind the camera. Like we know who the people are. We know who the good communicators are, the good learners. We know the people that are on time, the people that are late. We know all these different things. So the same can be said about me as a player, coaches, trainers, anybody. You can ask about me, my football, whatever, whatever. But I knew going into it, I wouldn't get the same opportunity as Kellen Moore, who retired as a you know backup quarterback retired and day one he was handed a quarterback coach's job which is one of the more important jobs on a team and he's been doing he's done well he's gone up to a coordinator he'll be a head coach soon maybe in this hiring cycle there's no reason i couldn't do that same path my day, day one when i retired i could have been a db coach and then two three years later been a coordinator and then like if i had those same opportunities but i knew i wouldn't and it's, so it is discouraging and you're missing out. I think the NFL is missing out on some of these next great coaches because of the discouragement. So um, it, it, it's definitely sad to see. And I've seen it firsthand time and time and time again. Um, and, and hopefully it changes. But that, that's what the conversations are, especially amongst, you know, the black coaches like, hey, man, you know, and you I see guys that, you know, be, man, this guy should have been a coordinator. Eight years ago, this guy played for this amount of years. He was a smart player and he played. It's not rocket science for you getting a coach. It's about communication, accountability, and, and being able to adjust and teach. Like that, that's what coaching is. And, and if you play the game, it, it helps you. It gives you tools that others can't have. But if you didn't play it, you can still do it. But you know what I mean? It's different. So um it is discouraging. And um, but uh we'll we'll, we'll see if it changes. I'm hopeful. And then, uh, you know, I, I come down to earth at the end of the day and I keep a realistic yeah. uh, view on things, you know, to got to temper your expectations at this point. All I can do, all, I guess all we can do in the media is just keep talking about it, even ahead of the Super Bowl. Right. Um, and, yep. the, and I should note, the NFL put out a statement in response to the suit, pardon me, um, basically denying it, saying, you know, diversity does matter to them. They spend a lot of time on it uh, and we will defend these claims with our without merit. Hard to see how they're without merit if that Bill Belichick <laughs> text is real. Hard to see how they're know, they're without right. merit if you're Brian Flores, you're flying to a job interview and you get told you never had a shot. But um, that's something we'll keep talking about. We'll keep re- we keep visiting it, keep it um, in the spotlight. But um, I do want to talk about these games. So what I you know when I contacted you last week, I Ooh. said I want to talk about them. Um, both fascinating. Um, 
I, the one that shocked me more was Bengals Chiefs. So I feel like we should start. I mean, I, I think the whole world was shocked by what happened shocked in the second half. Yeah. Let's just start there. Okay. From a defensive perspective, um, I'll start actually. So I think it was actually in the second quarter when Mahomes hit Tyreek Hill um, on the deep over and the Bengals were playing mm-hmm. um, cover one. And I, and I remember, I think I tweeted like single high night, night, you know, some bullshit. And um, then yep. in the second half, they proceed to not only continue doing it, but absolutely crush them. So I just want to know, like, wh- defensively, what did you make of Lou Anarumo's adjustments? And were you surprised that they worked? Um, it's not, You know, I don't I don't I'm not surprised that they worked. I'm just surprised. I'm I'm very surprised at how it, it looked like Patrick Mahomes looked like a deer in the headlights because this is you know early on in the season you know teams started yeah. playing the two high shell more and and was trying to force him to, to go to the checkdowns and you know a lot of people were, oh they figured out right. the cheese they figured out Mahomes and Andy Reid and it's like okay yeah right they'll get it figured out sooner or later and they did but uh, when when he made the adjustments at the halftime I I think really it was the players especially up front it started up front with them being more disciplined in their rush lanes. And the Chiefs got away with some holes early, but um, Mahomes, as this time of the year, once this time of the year gets here, he uses his legs a lot more. And he can hurt you either actually running it or just extending plays and just drawing up stuff in the back end where you can't cover. It doesn't matter what coverage you call. But um, the second half, they, the defense just executed. I don't, I don't feel like they tried to change up too many. They did some more drop eight. Yep. Um, they even did still ran man coverage, but you just, you just had them. We just call it a cage, keep the quarterback in the mm-hmm. cage. And I feel like they did a better job of that. And then made some uh, splash plays, the, the, the BJ Hill, the interception, like that was huge. That's how you beat the chiefs. Like you have to turn them over when you get those, um, opportunities. But once again, I was shocked more than anything of just, it was almost like, uh, Mahomes looked paralyzed in a sense where he couldn't think all the way straight. And Hubbard did a great job. Trey Henderson, like everybody just executed up front. It started up front and then on the back end. That play right before halftime. I don't know where you stand on the momentum, if it's real, if it's fake. I we don't even need to go there. But that play right before halftime when Eli made that tackle, Eli Apple made that tackle yeah. on Tyreek Hill and they didn't get any points. That they went into a locker room, even being down, uh, you know, 18, I think, at that point and giving up 21 points, almost 28. You go into the locker room at that point with momentum on your Hey, you know, we made a big play. It could be 10 times worse. No, they were down 11, actually. And it could be 10 times worse at this point. This is where we're at. They gave us their best shot. We've played our worst. If we go out there and execute, we can beat this team. We've seen their best shot. And that's what they did. And, um, you know, Burrow made some spectacular plays. When he had to, but it really came down to that defense just being disciplined um, in the rush lanes up front and then on the back end, um, just fighting tooth and nail. It, it completely pretty much eliminated Hill yep. in the deep part of the field the second half. So, um, I mean, it was it was it was one of the wackiest and best performances at the same time that I've seen. Yeah, I think discipline is like the exact right word, because last week when we previewed this game and with Ben Solak, we were talking about how, you know, the, the Bengals defense doesn't have, like, I really like Trey Hendrickson, Jesse Bates having a great postseason after, like, kind of a down regular season. But, you know, they're not, like, superstars. But we talked about this. Mm-hmm. They're really well coached. And then you get to the second half of this game, and like you said, you, you really see that 
that execution on display because you know dropping eight isn't a cure-all against Patrick. although uh ryan <laughs> this ryan mccrystal pointed this out um so that was the highest uh percentage of dropbacks mahomes faced eight men in coverage all year the other two games were baltimore chiefs lost and the giants they almost lost that game so it's something to keep an eye on but mm. but it really is like okay if you're going to do that if you're going to take that approach um not only do you have to trust, you know, your DBs um, and who are playing a lot more man coverage than one would expect, but also you have to trust that, you know, the Hendrickson, the BJ DJ, and then like Hubbard, if they're rushing three and one of those guys is spying, that they're going to be disciplined. They're going to communicate with each other. That They're not going to yep. play selfishly, that they're not going to shoot after Mahomes. And they did that. I think what surprised me, though, was he never took off. I mean, I. Yeah. And that's the thing about uh, about a drop eight too is you know good you, you got eyes on the yeah. quarterback so even if you do take off you have that spy and it's not like Mahomes is Lamar Jackson when he takes off it's just that when you are in man and you have to allocate so many resources to the pass catchers like you know obviously Ty Hill who kind of has that Steph Curry effect on the football field. Mm-hmm. And then you got, you know, Kelsey underneath who is much like Cooper Cup where he's on that same page with his quarterback and he's going to find open space uh, regardless of what type of coverage you're running. So when you drop eight – and as a player, I would only like typically drop eight on like, you know, low yeah. red zone yeah. as like a switch up here and there. Like I, I couldn't imagine playing it, you know, against a quarterback like Mahomes. Like, I, I've, you know, maybe a couple of times we – as many times as they did, it was it was crazy. They just couldn't figure it out, and, and guys just couldn't run open. But, um, you know, that's coaching. That's having veteran players. They went out and got some good uh, veteran players this offseason. Mike Hilton, uh, Trey Henderson, obviously. And guys, you know, even Eli Apple. Eli Apple, you know, he's, he gets picked on a lot, and he's put that target on his back, being a troll somewhat on social media now. But he's made some big plays for them in some, in some big moments in games this year. So, um you know, those guys are, are you know, they they they're, they got their money's worth on this last weekend and, and going into the Super Bowl. I mean, who is crazy that the the, the, the Bengals, <laughs> like I'm 36 and the Bengals have sucked, <laughs> uh, you know, as far I, as real championship. You know, Dalton had them, you know, contenders for a while, but I would never expect this, uh, even coming into this. Season. I didn't see it coming. And there's players on this, D- like I, DJ Reader has always been a good player. Always. He was good with Houston. Jerry, Great yep. signing. Um, like I liked Hendrickson, but you know, and um, Von Bell, you know, they've a good players, but just I didn't see this coming. And I guess it's good coaching. It's also bad coaching, in my opinion, on the part of Kansas City, because I mean, a lot of it is Mahomes, like you said, kind of panicking turning into a deer in the headlights not being decisive i thought um it, it with both his arm and his legs but i really think they pressed in the second half you know they were they were running the ball so well um in the first yeah. half with mckinnon and i'm never the i'm very rarely the run the ball more person <laughs> but I, you know in the second so half for swaggle. i know right but i i, I found myself <laughs> screaming it a little bit at the television watching the Chiefs in the second half. Yeah, I mean, because it was there. And I was on uh, spaces during the game a couple of times. And I'm like, hey, as the game was going on, I'm like, look, as a defense, 
if you hand that ball off to McKinnon and and uh, Edwards Hilaire, and that's mm-hmm. how you beat me, I'm a hundred percent fine with that. Like I, yeah. that's what I want you to do as a defense. Continue to hand that ball off, please. Every it's, it seems like every play, especially how the game started, every play that that fifteen, you know, the ball wasn't going 25, 30 yards, wasn't that type of game. Um, you know, is somewhat of a win on defense. But um, I, I feel like the Chiefs. Should have definitely ran the ball a little more. Even last year in the play in the Super Bowl when they were banged up up front, I felt like Andy Reid, um, you know, should have done that. Uh, but you know, these, these, I guess Mahomes is human. You know, he showed his human side, and I thought, you know, I knew that the Bengals would cover that, you know, seven yeah. and a half point spread. But I thought it was inevitable that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, would find a way to win this game late at home. And um, it just, the magic never happened. I don't know. On that last, in overtime, you win the coin toss. And again, the pass, the, you know, attacking. Why are you attacking downfield? You're able to, uh, I don't know. I, I It was confusing. But uh, look, I'll get my nerd credentials back. I thought the Bengals ran way too much on early downs through much of this game. <laughs> and uh, it was driving me crazy. One, they, they're obviously not having a lot of success with it. But also, so much of this was just Joe Burrow bailing them out on third down, either picking up you know, key uh, completions to T. Higgins in many cases, who was extremely good, or using his legs and putting Chris Jones in absolute hell. Yeah, and, and Zach, you know, if you watch this team all year, I'm sure you have. Drives like, me crazy you know, all year. Zach Taylor. You no, know, I hated it. All year, you know, Zach has been running. But, I mean, you saw how, how this O-line has been getting yeah. exposed, you know, week by week. And running that ball, you know, helps them. Even if, even if you only pick up two yards. You know, those guys up front on defense, they have to respect it. They have to, you know, respect the runner, not just pinning their ears back and getting after nine, uh, especially after, you know, seeing uh, the Titans get nine sacks on them. They, I know they were looking at the chop. So um, you kind of have to run the ball. And, and you, got a, you got a pretty damn good running back in Joe Mixon um, as well. So you want to get him his touches. You want to help your old line. And I think you'll see that in the Rams game as well. Now, I don't think they will have much success at all running against this Rams front. We'll talk about that. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be on that back end to hold up. But, uh, man, yeah, I, you, you know, you get mad at Zach. But at the same time, as a player, and I know we we all want to see the pass, especially with a quarterback like Burrow. But I, I understand it from uh, from Zach Taylor's uh, point of view. And he's, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job this year, too. I know he's caught a lot of heat, a lot of slack. But um, to have this team in the Super Bowl two years after picking number one, um, you know, that's a big, big shout out to Zach and that whole city of Cincinnati, yes. man. They deserve it. Oh, 100%. And, um, like I said, I, I thought Lou Anaruma was brilliant in this game. I, I think that it's pretty obvious brilliant. their game, their plan coming into this was to just try to not let Burrow die, um, like he did last <laughs> against Tennessee. Um, you know, like he was, uh, very rarely an empty, which is something they lean on a lot in this offense. They had extra players in protecting him outside of just running the ball, and the ball was coming out fast out of his hands i don't think i mean let's see i believe it was yeah okay just four yards per pass attempt in the second half on uh, straight dropbacks i mean the 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 clear game plan was just to um, be conservative work down the field but uh, honestly a lot of it was only successful because of joe burrow's legs uh this is yeah he made he made some unbelievable plays (laughs) i mean unbelievable plays but this kid and and you know i'm a, a the biggest herbert fan out there and, and me and my co-host we were going back and forth all year i'm like hey man if this is probably around week six if that draft was done over again herbert will be the consensus number one pick there's no doubt about it and and 
you know, I had to eat my words because the more this guy plays, you know, the intangibles, his swagger, uh, his just overall even belief, you know, after winning the first game, like, hey, you know, this is kind of we got to start expecting this, you know, this underdog mentality. I, I got to get get rid of that, man. He's wise beyond his years. And uh, the moment the moment is never, never too big for him, never too big for him. And I'm, I'm excited to see him continue. Uh, you know, continue obviously in the Super Bowl and then uh, beyond that. I think, yeah, I think what you see is just kind of he'll go get you a bucket. You know, like if you re- if it's third and Facts. seven and uh, Jamar Chase yep. is doubled and uh, Chris Jones has you by the ankles, Joe Burrow will high step out of it, extend. One of his best plays was actually it was not he when he uh, extended, rolled right, found Chase. Uh, I want to say on like a Chase kind of ran an in and then scrambled open for him. Um, but you know, like they're they're competitive He's because of Burrow. Too. Yeah, no, but they're also competitive because they're skill players. They uh, like uh, this is by the way something the Rams and I think the Bengals have in common. They have a wide receiver too who's really almost like a one B, and I feel that way about oh, T yeah. Higgins because if you're a defense, and we'll talk about obviously close to the Super Bowl. And you're game planning to take away Jamar Chase. There will be opportunities, and he will get yards after the catch because he has got great hands. He's extremely strong, and Joe Burrow trusts him. Oh yeah, I, and um, who was I? I think I was on the, with uh, the Jay Doozable, and he was talking about T Higgins, and uh, I, I loved him coming out. I wanted the coach to to draft him uh, coming hmm. out of Clemson, but um, these these I can't wait to watch these these uh, receivers. Uh, I love to watch him now. Now I'm not on the field. I don't have to cover him anymore. <laughs> but um, Higgins, Boyd, um, I, I hate that CJ, uh, they lost their tight end. He might play. Uzama, Uzama might ready. play. I saw somewhere. It's like a spring. Yeah, going to be tough. Though. I know, with the MCL. Yeah. Two weeks out of spring. Bo- both yeah, that's, both that's these teams tough, lost but, their tight ends. The Rams lost Higby, too. But y- Yep, Higby, yeah. Uh, so it'd be, uh, I mean, but Odell, man, I'm happy for Odell. A lot of people obviously counted him out. But watching him play, you still saw that he was creating separation. Uh, Matt Stafford on the other side, he he's seen, mm-hmm. you know, he's one of the elder statesmen now in the NFL. We just completely changed the guard with Brady uh, finally hanging it up. Mm. So um, it'll be it'll be exciting to see him, you know, on this big stage and continue to rewrite, you know, his entire narrative as well. Because he's had a career where he's, you know, put up a lot of gaudy stats, but hasn't won at all in the playoffs in the postseason. Now he's in the Super Bowl, his first year with the team and a coach uh, where they went all in. So. Be excited before we get to that game, which I want to talk to talk to you about after the break. Let's put a pin on the Chiefs. Um, this team's going to look a little different next year. You know, Patrick has structured his contract so it's super cap friendly this year, but um, next Mm -hmm. year, not a lot they can do. Uh, I mean, there there is a lot they can do. I I suspect talked about this a little bit on Sports Center that Frank Clark might be cut. He's got he's like a twenty seven or so million dollar cap hit. They could save. Um, 19 if they designate him as a June 1st cut, post-June 1st cut. So, and and I should know, by the way, I thought the pass rush was pretty lacking in this game, honestly. Um, and it's kind of been up and down the edge rush for the Chiefs all year. Well, Chris Jones too, honestly. So, you know, that's an issue. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. Um, is someone that they can either tag, extend, whatever. Uh, Honey Badger is a free agent. The whole secondary is full of free agents. So, this Chiefs team, I mean, do you feel like they can get back here? I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you still, it's, it's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a quarterback driven league, and they still have, you know, one of the best, if not the best, you know, he's a top three guy. Now, you know, 
you look around at AFC, especially Josh Allen over there in Buffalo. You got Justin Herbert in the same division, and Telesco has a bunch of money to spend. Yeah. Um, so you know they they could definitely close that gap, and and we we all you know you know we stand on Herbert, mm -hmm. so uh, he's right in that conversation as well. So it's going to be interesting. But um, this guy, you know, four straight AFC championships. Um, he may still have his offensive coordinator, Eric Bien and me. So just continue to have that continuity with your OC, your head coach, your, you know, all those different things. I definitely won't count them out uh, being, you know, right back in this. That's a good point about in this spot next year and the, the championship Sunday. Yeah, it's a good point about the coordinators because, you know, Buffalo is the team. I think people might pick ahead of them, but losing Brian Dable, you know, they, there's some. That's big. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's big. That is. And, that, and that's, you know, something you said earlier and I. I about the head coaching hires, you know, hiring offensive or defenses, hmm. defensive head coaches. As a fan now, I would want my team to hire an offensive mm. head coach. Mm. Be because, like, you know, if let's say you hire a defense, let's say Eva Flutes, he just got the job in Chicago. So obviously you want to develop a young quarterback there. So let's say Flutes goes and hire, you know, the best offensive mind that that's out there, that's available. Next year, maybe two, he'll be a head coach somewhere, and you got to start from scratch again, just like the Bills are gonna have to do. Hmm. So, um, that's something that you're gonna have to deal with. So, if I'm if I'm calling the shots, maybe I'll lean towards that offensive guy now. So, um, it's gonna be interesting. And that the jump, the leap that Josh Allen made two years ago, and now obviously to the player he is now, you know, people would think, okay, you bring in a coordinator, he'll figure it out. He's a phenomenal player. But it, I mean, you start you're speaking a different language. You're calling plays like it, it's a it's a completely different ball game. And most of the great ones they do figure it out. Justin Herbert, he's already on his third coordinator, so he can play ball. He can use his legs. He'll be fine. But that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, Josh Allen without uh, you know Brian mm. Dayball. All right. After the break, let's talk about the NFC Championship. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I want to talk about, again, I want to, I want to start with the defense, but this time I want to talk about the Rams defense. I was just watching it today. Um, very specific game plan against the San Francisco 49ers who had given them a lot of trouble. Uh, I think Shanahan won six straight games against them, right? Before this one. And yep. um, to this season, a lot of success running the ball. 
obviously. Now the Rams have somewhat different personnel from a lot of those meetings, but uh, clearly Darius came into this saying, you will not run the ball. We are going to put all of our big bodies on the line of scrimmage. Sean Robinson, get in there. Greg Gaines, get in there. Um, and on, on top of that, uh, I thought a tremendous love, a tremendous effort, pardon me, from the linebackers and DBs as well in stopping the run in this game. Yeah, they were, that, that, like you said, you can tell that was key number one. And obviously, you know, coming into this game, you know, that's the strength of, of the Niners was that run game and obviously the defense. And then, you know, is Jimmy G going to mess it up or is he going to get it done with a last drive? Like that's that's been we'll the San there. Francisco 49ers <laughs> recipe against everybody except the – I mean, especially the Rams. And and yeah. like you said, they went all all hands on deck as far as stopping that run. And they were phys- – they won the phys- – the, between the tackles, they won that matchup hands down. Now on the edge – I think is when they lost the physical matchup. Obviously, when you got a a guy like Debo out there. It's tough. They got beat up a little bit on the edge, but um, yeah, that game plan worked, man. They figured it out, and uh, and they actually executed and beat. You know, the Niners took them seven times in the third <laughs> time this year, but they figured it out on the biggest stage and uh, punched their ticket to the to the big one at home. Back to back seasons now, where you know guys are hosting the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about this matchup and why. The Rams have lost, and a lot of it was that lack of physicality at times, not the inability to set the edge. And then I would say the softness over the middle of the field, where the weakest part of the Rams' defense mm-hmm. is um, their co- coverage at linebacker. And the Niners were able to exploit that at times, although at times, like you've got, you know, George Kittle wide open over the middle of the field because Troy Reader bit and Garoppolo just misses him, right? But it was there. Yep. But I, I, I just can't get over the defensive effort against the run. Um, by the way, Reader was one of the guys they had run blitzing a lot to, with success. Um, freaking like when Eric Weddle is stopping you on third down, uh, oh, then you yeah. you know dream right is, now. I know right. It's a team effort. Uh, I don't think any of this will apply to the Super Bowl, so we can kind of throw it out the window. <laughs> but as far as this <laughs> game and this game plan, I think you got to give Raheem Morris a ton of credit because um, you know th- th- this is something that they struggled with all year. Yeah, you got to um, getting those guys ready to play, and then they lost, you know, lost some some yeah. players that put a lot of downs in in safety. Um, you know, losing your starting, you bring Weddle when we talked about Weddle, he comes in, you know, off the couch for the last two years and, and playing a lot of meaningful downs in the playoffs and the championship game, and now going to a Super Bowl. and And he's one of those smart players. He's one of those players that I actually had him on the uh, the man to man pod with me and AB, and we talked with him. And he was just talking about how quickly he can pick up, you mm. know, playbooks and schemes and things like that and how he kind of uh, learns it. So I'm sure he was probably helping guys get lined up out there as well. But big, big shout out to, to Raheem Morris getting this done, man. This is one of those games that we knew coming into it. It was going to be a, a bloodbath <laughs> type of game. You saw some big hit. Nick Scott gotten his op- he's Dude. getting his opportunities he's been playing he's phenomenal really uh, down the, yeah man down the stretch I, you know made huge plays on brady so uh, he might have been the last guy now and i think about the intercept brady now i think about it. i don't know if you uh jalen ramsey was the last guy to get thrown out for a touchdown you saw his tweet that was funny um <laughs> yeah jalen ramsey who dropped terrible interception or should have been an interception in this game um yeah nick scott has me like uh so i don't know i'd work the rams preseason and like you got guys who played in the preseason and Sean McVay does not play anyone in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Kendall Blanton 
making key third down catches in this game. The backup tight end, uh, pretty wild. That I, I think it's actually a really impressive. Fifty six, right? Yes, the big guy. Um, yeah, I was like, Whoa. they got depth, I, and I think that's interesting because we think of the Rams as this like stars and scrubs roster where they got they're yeah, so top yeah. heavy, but you're seeing contributors like Nick Scott make plays, like Eric Weddle or like. Kendall Blanton. The, the only one last thing I want to say about kind of the Rams defense versus the Niners offense is, um, well, actually, I do want to talk about Jimmy, so we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> I thought the Rams pass rush was a little bit lacking for the first three quarters. Like they really, obviously, they lit him up in the fourth quarter. He went um, one for seven when pressured uh, and they pressured him on 77 percent of dropbacks. Uh, but mm. The first three quarters, he had time. Some of that is he gets rid of the ball so quickly, and some of the design, offensive design makes it hard to get at him. But I think just kind of spinning it forward a little bit more, more, you're going to see need to see more from um, Aaron Donald and Von Miller than you did through much of this game. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, they they so like you said, completely opposite of last game. Yeah. Like you're playing the Chiefs. You want him handing the ball off as much as possible. And every time that 15 is not dropping back to throw the ball, that's already a win. Essentially, for the Rams, you wanted 10 dropping back and passing mm. the ball as much as possible. So you were kind of playing a run. And then as you go through playing a run, then you get back to, to Jimmy. And uh, But, yeah, it, last time Aaron Donald was in the Super Bowl, you know, obviously that's a guy that's a game record. You know, you come in on Wednesdays and we game plan for guys. That's the guy, one of the three guys that everybody in the on the team that's suiting up knows. Hey, 99, mm. game record. We got to stop this guy. Uh, five, we got to be aware of where five is on defense. So they'll move, they'll move it around. They'll do things. This is a game that I think Von Miller, he he's gonna have, mm. I think he is gonna have to have a couple splash plays um to 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 get them the Super Bowl victory. And and you know, Aaron Donald will be double teamed, sometimes yep. triple teamed at times, <laughs> especially with this offensive line. Yes. So uh, I think, you know, we're going to see more production and a lot of his production, uh, similar to uh, Eric Armstead on the on the Niners. A lot of his production doesn't really show up on the stat sheet sometimes, mm. um, but they still, you know, play, play their assignments. They allow other people behind them to be able to rally and run to the football or, you know, if they're running games up front to get to the quarterback. So uh, 99's impact is always felt in the field, even if, you know, we don't always see it or we can't pick up a, you know, a stat sheet or look at a grade and see it. You know, his, he's, he's, his presence is always felt in that field. I want to get to the Niners four-man rush in a second, but first let me just ask you this. Um, what would you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? So th- this is the – I feel like this game – Ooh. signified the end of the Jimmy Garoppolo. It sounds like it, too. The Niners all gave, you know, press conferences today, uh, and uh, they, you could tell it's over, right? Like, I would be shocked if he's not traded. And um, Yeah, so I just saw a report that um, said that they were, I guess, uh, together looking for trade okay. partners, the team and Jimmy. Yep. So, I, I feel bad. So, like, I got... <laughs> Got caught up in a little bit of drama this last week involving Jimmy Garoppolo, but um, <laughs> because I, I guess didn't we all? Can you little little thing? But um, you know, basically saying I, I I didn't I didn't think he was why the Niners were winning in the playoffs. However, and I and I said this too. I think he's an upgrade for a fair amount of teams, um, especially given that there really aren't free agents other than like Jameis Winston out there. And as we know, you're going to hear time and time again, it's not a great draft for quarterbacks. Um, to me, like a team like Pittsburgh is one that jumps out as an option for him. Um, do you like that fit? And if you were Pittsburgh or whoever, what would you give up for him? 
Hmm. You know what? I, I got to come from this thing from the Colts standpoint first. <gasps> <gasps> and, uh, no. And me and my co-host, we're on opposite sides of the Jimmy Garoppolo debate. Okay. Jimmy G became one of the most defi- divisive figures in America Apparently. the last couple of weeks, which was funny. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think, he, like you said, I think he is an upgrade for a lot of a lot of teams. And I think personally, a lot of people see that as a lateral move, especially with how the game ended on Championship yeah. Sunday. But I think Jimmy G, um, you put him on, on a team with a run game like that with Jonathan Taylor, a good offensive line, a good defense mm-hmm. that can hopefully you know get a little better. You got to get him some weapons on offense on, at the receiver position. But he's not a guy that you need, you know, big vertical threat. Yes. You need guys who are going to make tough catches, going to make good, you know, move the sticks, essentially. He, he's a guy who make quick reads. Uh, he, he usually throws from a good base. And if you protect him with a run game and with a good offensive line, you know, he can be effective. Now, he is going to have those plays, about two or three of them, every game where it's like, what the F are you doing? Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz will as well, but Carson Wentz, when I watch him, I just don't see the same um, – consistent mechanics yeah. that I see with Jimmy G. Like even when, you know, it, he has good mechanics, he has good uh, uh, ball placement, you know, when he mm-hmm. has, and he, you know, he loves the in, inside the numbers. It's what we saw Brady do for 20 years. Like, uh, and I'm not opposed to having a game manager at quarterback. If I'm a coach, that's who I want at quarterback. And I want you to be able to be special in the big moments. And we've seen Jimmy G do that in, in some big moments and then obviously in others, not so much, but I think he'd be an upgrade for the Colts personally. Um, he'll clearly be an upgrade for the Steelers. Um, yes. you know, Washington, by, Washington. You know, for, uh, yeah, Washington, you know, Carolina, if they can't yeah. get, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, who a lot of people are, you know, putting together, but he obviously has his issues off the field. Um, so yeah, but the Colts, the Colts would be wow. where I would like to see that, Jimmy that Garoppolo. Quite, and quite a lot of move. Colts fans did, did not agree with me. <laughs> um, he actually had one beautiful throw outside the numbers. I think it was like uh, in the first quarter, maybe. Yeah, and I was like, "Damn, when's the last time you the saw? Like, yeah. When's the last time you saw Jimmy Garoppolo throw a go ball? Like, I, it was just so weird because his 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 heat maps look so concentrated over the middle of the field, and um, that's why like I some. When I put out Pittsburgh, a bunch of people said, "Well, you can replace Brady," and I was like, "Jimmy Grapple and Bruce Arians is the most, like, the worst match yeah, of play no, caller no quarterback uh, you could just about think about." No of. Um, yeah, so so the Niners' defense, the Niners' BA might pull an AB if they if they send yeah, him Jimmy. He G. might, anyways. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so so the Niners' defense, I I am I've been obsessed with them. Um, and I thought they put forward a valiant effort in this game. Um, you know, I, I like D'Amico Ryans, who I apparently told the Vikings he doesn't want to be head coach and is going to stay in San Francisco. That, that's a such a huge win for San Francisco, by the way, to keep him as defensive that coordinator. That shocked me too. Really? That shocked me. Yeah, that shocked me because when I when I looked at and this was uh, I think right after you know Black Monday and I looked mm-hmm. at the available jobs and I'm looking like okay Minnesota might be the best job uh, you know available I don't know the ins and outs of their ownership group and how they move but you know you get a new you get a fresh start with the GM mm-hmm. the new head coach so you think you get a couple at least a couple years there you got Kirk Cousins who you're tied to at least for another year 
who's an above average quarterback, you know, hasn't won a, a bunch of big games or in playoffs, things like that. But coming in as a new head coach, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with having <laughs> Kirk Cousins as my quarterback, especially mm-hmm. when I have Justin Jefferson and Thielen outside. You still got Cook back there. You got some pieces on defense that are aging. I have to get some youth there. Yeah. But uh, you're a defensive guy. So that, that should be your strong. So, I, yeah, I, w- I was shot. And then in that division, you look around that division, Rodgers may be gone. You got a new head coach and a young quarterback in Chicago. You got, you know, Detroit. They're still Detroit. So that would be a place as a head coach that I thought, you know, so I, I was shocked to see that. But um, he is in a, good, in a great situation, you know, in San Francisco. You got Nick Bosa there. You got yeah. other pieces there. So, um, you know, I, I love what he's done this year. We had Jimmy Ward on the pod a couple weeks ago, and he was just talking mm. about just the dialogue that he has with um, D'Amico. Right? This was right after they beat Green Bay. And just how, mm. how you know, he he's, oh, hey, he'll come to the side. Hey, Jimmy, what do you guys want to run? What are you seeing out there? And being a guy, once again, he played the game 37 years old, so he's young. Ooh, because so the young. game changes. Yeah, it, the game changes so much year by year. You know, a lot of things remain the same, but there are certain nuances and certain evolutions, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that sometimes, you know, older coaches don't move as fast, mm-hmm. we kind of get stuck in their ways. And, um, yeah, I think D'Amico is great. I was surprised and I was disappointed that they didn't double the Cooper Cup, though. That That's 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 what kind of – that that pissed me off, honestly. It is because this guy – I mean, I don't know what it is. But this dude is obviously triple crown winner. Uh, and I, I was talking on Twitter about Kareem Jackson, 12-year you know, NFL DB. He's like, bro, that's a guy you need to double mm. as soon as he gets off the bus. Yeah. And you saw him do it with uh, Devontae yeah. Adams. They didn't double him, but you kept a safety. And that's a different beast. You know, Devontae, he's going to line up at X. He's going to be a Z. Yeah. He's going to move all around. But he's he's wow. going to be out wide one-on-one, so it's a little easier to do it. Cooper Cup is going to move around, so you have to get creative in your double teams. They're so, but that's when you yeah. give you know your players – more tools to do it. McVay does a great job moving around and getting them off the press and things like that. But you have to have four eyes on Cooper Cup, especially on third down. The dude has seven catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns on third down in a championship game. There's no way you can let your best player um, do that against you as a defense. There, you know, the Niners rarely blitz, but there was that one third down where they sent, it was just a five-man pressure, and you just knew it was going to cup immediately. And it was <laughs> it was Ryan's breaking tendency, right? And he had success with that um, against Green Bay. I don't remember, like, you know, very very few blitzes, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, the that perfectly timed blitz is something he's done all year, and it just didn't work in this game because Cooper Cup is so good as an answer um, so for Matthew good. Stafford against the blitz. Um, he's a he's a quarterback. He he he's literally another another quarterback. Like he's a quarterback's dream, mm. you know. And and he's not going to wow you at, at at a combine, uh, but a, he has great play speed, uh, great tempo in his routes. A lot of his things look the same. Like I said, McVay does a great job moving him around, so it's not like you know where he's going to be all the time. And but I mean, you you. You gotta say, hey, and Odell. I mean, he he played great too. Yes, but I I gotta be like I have, I will have to sleep at night knowing, hey, you know what? Odell beat us. Van Jefferson beat us today. You know right. that, that's who he lost. So we didn't lose. We didn't let the offensive well, player of the year uh, they, go out there and you know they lost have, to both of them because Odell put up hundred yards too in this game. But um, yeah, yeah hey, it's like you know, I, and I, I think me. that's kind of what it is at the end of the day with the Niners. Like the personnel is incredible up front. I think I cannot. 
God, we haven't even said the name Fred Warner. He was unbelievable in this game. He was so he, best linebacker in the NFL. But ultimately, um, you know, uh, D'Amico had done an, a fabulous job all year kind of protecting his cornerbacks. And I think this is the game where it just – it, 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 they just didn't have enough talent outside. And and you can't blame them, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, Ambry Thomas, Kilwam, I think Kilwam Williams is a um, free agent after this year. I'm not sure. But uh, Mosley. Yeah, I, you know, I like Kilwam, but, you know, you're not leaving him one-on-one. You know, Odell's going to win those one-on-one matchups with Mosley. Just, you know, don't give up the big ball. But, but Cooper, I mean, man, at least on the money downs. Third down, red area, we can't lose the 10. And uh, Fred Warner, man, you can't say enough about Fred Warner. He is always in the right spot i mean he's athletic he's fast he's he's everything you want at, at the middle linebacker can i ask you a question so cooper cup um one of the i think it was in the first quarter or the second quarter rather it was the second quarter when he had the touchdown from he was on the inside of the bunch um pretty sure he is scored more touchdowns out of a bunch concept than any wide receiver in the NFL. As a DB, when you see that in front of you, when you're, you're, you're lined, you know, you've got three and he's inside and you know, you, how, what is the communication process like between the DBs just seeing that and knowing what's going to happen? That, you know what, that communication process, you know, and, and this is where continuity and they've had some young, they've had somewhat of a revolving door at the cornerback position. Guys been hurt, guys been just in and out of the lineup. But those things take a lot of reps, like so many reps and extra meeting times and walkthroughs. And because we, when I played in, in uh, Indy, me and Vontae Davis played a ton of games, ton of snaps together. So we got to a point where we could just look at each other and know based off how the routes came out if we were going to pass it off or not. We had certain mm-hmm. landmarks, certain depths. But when you're playing with guys that you're not getting those reps with, it's tough. Um, and especially when you're playing against an offense like this. And we, we you know, where there is so many – like Cooper Cup is running exactly where he knows he's going to get you off balance or he knows he's put this route on film five times in this situation and this sixth time he's going to run something else. So um, it, it's tough, and that communication starts on, on Monday all the way up until game time. But you have to know those things before you ever take the field. You don't have a chance um, because as soon as that formation comes out, we'll know, all right, first quarter, they come out in a bunch. This is how we're playing. If we're in man coverage, this is how we're playing. If we're in cover three, this is how we're, if we're in quarters, this is how we're playing it. And then you take it to the next step, and it's like, okay, we're going to play whether it's locked, whereas, you know, hey, you got your guy, we get on different levels and we just fight through traffic or we'll do a, a lock plus a combo. But depending on where 10 is, we're going to combo him. You know, it, it, we're going to lock him and then we're going to have help inside. So it's so it's so much communication that goes uh, into it, but it, it can't start and it can't go in the game. Like, this is week, all week, all year. Even when you go on the sidelines, when you see Cooper Cup over there on his Microsoft Surface, <laughs> You got to be doing the same thing on defense. Hey, this is what we got last drive. This is what they doing. This is their plan on third down so far. So next, we showed them this. Let's show them this the next time we go out there. So it, it's a it, and the bunches, the stacks, the motions. Like those are the toughest things um, as DBs, especially yeah. with this team. Yes, who kind of mixes in man coverage and plays a lot of zone. Like we were, everything was man. Like oh, you know, even mm. our fire zones, our cover threes, like. It, quarter like everything is just really turning into man uh down the field so it was easier for us because you know we played a team they know that as well so we're going to get a lot of stacks we're going to get a lot of bunches so we had our um you know we had game plans for them but when you don't when you're young 
you know, you man, you, you, you're you going to get abused. And, and that's what you've been seeing all year, really, with uh, Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's like the little things with him, too. The, the touchdown, the corner route. When it happened in real time, I was like, how the hell did he just release like that? And then I think Orlovsky did a tape on it. And you saw, oh my God, like, so he, you know, he had the cut split, just his little movements at the line of scrimmage. The tiniest, tiniest thing you don't notice in real time is how you end up with Cooper Cup in the end zone, you know, open for that. I mean, it's just. And that, you know what? I won't, I I can't give, I can't give Cooper too much credit on that one. And I know Dan will, and Dan's going to give his boy Matt. (laughs) And Matt made a great throw. You also got to know your quarterbacks. He made a great it throw a great where he throw. didn't put enough air on it for yeah for the safety to get there. But that safety, you gotta be you gotta be ready, you man. Know. You gotta be in position. You have to get your width, get to your landmark, and then once again understand the situation. You saw it in the Bucks game the week before, but yeah. that's third and thirteen. You're playing cover two, so as a corner, the only other threat you had to that side was a running with Sony Michelle. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like a James White or Alvin yeah. Kamara. You have Sony Michelle split out to your side. You have the offensive player of the year on your side at the edge. <laughs> we have to get a reroute on this guy. Like, I'm going to reroute him, and then I'm going to sink, get my depth, get my width as a cornerback to, okay, if Stafford does, like, I want to discourage that throw. So Belichick, in all zone coverage, he had a thing. We call it the no cover area. So we're calling cover three, two, four. It didn't matter. Whatever zone coverage us, we're not covering or even acknowledging anything five yards or less. And this is on first and 10. So especially on third and 13, like that cover two should have damn near looked like quarters coverage from that corner mm-hmm. to discourage that throw and then make him throw the check down. And then we rally and we vice tackle that. I tackle it outside into the corner. As that linebacker, you tackle it inside out. We get him down on the ground. That's the point of playing zone coverage, like the corner. And he's a young corner. I think that was Thomas on that side. Mm-hmm. Young corner, tart. You know, he's, he's got to get his width. He knows better. And then, um, you know, it, you got one receiver over there. You you essentially should have a two-on-one, but um, you left him wide open. I mean, that's wide open in the NFL, especially with a quarterback like Stafford. He made a great throw. Um, but, uh, you know, I won't give him too much credit. <laughs> I would. It's that's minus, that's minuses across the board Yeah. Uh, for the secondary. There, there were some miscommunications throughout right like the oh. throw to um odell after the tart drop um i think they were in yep. quarters and stafford hits odell i think it was uh mosley on that side i i don't know if he was trying to yep. trap or what but you get the whole shot to odell and that's just that's you got you, this is the problem when you're facing a team with a 1a and a 1b by the way like if you play zone odell's gonna find the whole he's gonna find those uh, spots um He's such a good route runner. He's got such good hands. He's so fast. And, you know, we'll get to the Super Bowl matchup. He's but so good. It's not, it's not easy trying to handle it. And this is, by the way, to go back to your original point about Devontae Adams, Green Bay didn't have an Odell, you know? And, I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers yeah. is, like, kind of ignoring some open guys in that game. But <laughs> this is why they traded for him. Mean, you got to trust him, too, though. Yeah, you got to tr- you, you yeah. trust him. And, and Stafford, you know, tr- and Stafford, you know, he's got to – he, you know, Tart catches that interception. That, you know, that's it may be a complete different game. That actually, that play came right after the drop. I know. Yeah, yeah. There was another drop pick, right, for Stafford. He, someone else should have picked him in this game. I can't remember. He was trying to. Well, and then he of course had the the one in the beginning of the game. That was a great play by the. Was that Ward who picked him? Yeah. Ooh, that was a nice play. War, yeah, that was a uh, who batted it. Uh, K1 batted it. He he played it aggressive at the goal line as he should. And then uh, Jimmy Ward picked him. But um, but yeah, Odell. I mean, he's 
you know, and this that's the thing. So if I'm playing, let me who Bengals. Let's let's go with this game plan real quick, Bengals. You got anything third and medium, okay? Third and five, for, third and five, and third and eleven. Let's do this. Let's go one robber. We're gonna drop the robber down opposite of ten, okay? So whoever's guarding ten, I don't care if he's in a bunch of stack. You are outside leverage. You're playing him physical. You have a robber dropping down from the opposite side of the field. Show a two two high shell pre snap. The other safety in the post. You lean to Odell. If they're on the same side, they make it easier for. You. If they're on opposite sides, you lean to Odell and you allow that corner to not, play physical. Uh, and somebody else got to beat you. What you're describing is not too dissimilar from the approach they took against the Chiefs at times. Um, so let's just wrap here and spin it forward. Uh, you know, just just purely from a coverage standpoint, if you're the Bengals. How so? You were just kind of describing the approach you would take towards handling the wide receivers. Do you basically seed the run against the Rams in this game? Uh, no, you know, especially early on, you you have to like first and second down. You know, you Cooper Cup's gonna he's gonna be productive, he's gonna move the chains. Th- th- those coverages are those are money downs, those are red areas, those are situational. I feel like this offense, Cooper Cup, he's gonna move the ball mm-hmm. now. This offense really gets tough to stop when that run game is going. If Cam Akers gets that outside zone going, and now Stafford really has that play action working even better for him, that's tough. So you have to try to limit that run game as much as possible. And Cam Akers, he he fumbled a couple times a couple weeks ago. Defenders, they're aware of it. And his offensive coaches are aware of it as well. So if you start stuffing that run early or maybe knock one loose early, that can kind of stifle that. But in these situations, you have to take away Cooper Cup. That's about like, it. Yeah. Please, please, and- guys, let's let's do this. And I'm not. <laughs> I don't care who wins the game. Just, but as a defensive player, yeah. As a defensive, I mean, it's like it's it's my now. It gets tougher with with I me, mean, Chase. You got a twenty million dollar. This is a great. This is with the Rams. You know that one. Well, hey, that was, five, that, you got to go get your money. Okay, so that was gonna be my follow up <laughs> question because. Uh, as you know very well, the Rams this year, they do not have Jalen Ramsey shadowing uh, number one wide receivers uh, in this game. <laughs> do you ask him to do it? Uh, man, everywhere he goes with Jamar Chase. And so that- a, this is Super Bowl, man. <laughs> I know, I know, but. This is, this is, hey, this is what we brought everybody here for. We traded, we got Jalen here. We went and traded Stafford. We went and got Vaughn. We got Odell all for this so for me i want my best on baby because we talked about higgins and we talked yeah. about he's a 1b so our second best guy probably is going to lose that matchup more times than not so we may send some help Jalen's way you know time and time mm-hmm. again but he's i mean Jalen has played against and matched up with the best that this league has seen uh, probably ever, you mm-hmm. know, in his tenure with how these receivers are playing now. So that's got to be a guy you're, you're confident in on this stage. Um, and I, I mean, if I'm the coach, I'm asking in the matchup. And I saw in the Niners game was a week 18. It's he was kind of following around Debo from side to side. And I think they had 21 playing in the slot. Yeah. Um, most Sundays I want five in the slot. I want them around the action. I want them in yeah. the run game, blitz and doing all these different. But things. not but against the Bengals. Like Jamar Chase. Yeah. Like this is one of the best. Re- 
he's you know if somebody said jamar chase is the best receiver in the nfl right now you can at least debate it you can at least argue mm-hmm. and show some things like this guy is mm-hmm. unbelievable jalen ramsey is so, like you know one of, i got a corner that yeah i was gonna say one of the very few cornerbacks in the nfl with the physicality speed exactly and smarts to handle it um exactly. it's gonna be a fascinating matchup i cannot wait i mean just from a Two teams, both with incredible skill players, it is always amazing. Just from a defensive perspective, how do you handle this? You know, how do you yep. um, handle these guys? It's, it, it's going to be really fun to watch. I can't wait. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. All right, all right but as always, <laughs> we're going to wrap with five questions for our guests. Dinks and dunks. Four from me, one from Lenny. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? All right, Darius. Um, only on the Mean and Kind show will we wait till t- to the very end of the podcast in a very quick question to talk about Tom Brady retiring. Uh, and we're not even going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the Bucks. What do you do if you're the Bucks at quarterback next year? And why is the correct answer bring back Jameis Winston? In <laughs> Jameis, you got to trust. You it know what? Uh, it makes sense. What do you do? It makes sense. I mean, it does make sense. It does make sense. You know, it, you get Jameis 3.0. You know, I feel like he was playing better last year. He, he's got LASIK. He'll come back with a fresh set of eyes. You still got B.A. Uh, this is probably B.A.'s last year regardless. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Bring Jameis back. I mean, who else is there? I get, get Jimmy G, though. I'll tell you that. They drafted Kyle Trask in the second round. Um, didn't play at all. So, you know, we don't really have anything. Um, yeah, he sat behind Tommy, though. He could, you know, he could. <laughs> a lot of people have got a lot of people have sat behind the first round. Uh, you know, Jimmy G was just in the final four. Oh, don't you, uh, don't you dare! I don't you dare. I see where you all right, <laughs> Jimmy G. All right, um, question number two Is Aaron Rodgers on the Green Bay Packers next year? Oh, um. I'm gonna say yes. He 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 took a, he took everybody's off season last year guessing about where he was going. I'm gonna say yes. He stays in Green Bay. I saw some reports that said him and Lafleur were working some things out for a couple of days before he took off. Mm. So if you stayed in Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin for two more days, and and you didn't go to SoCal or Hawaii or wherever else he vacations, I, I think he, I think he ends up back in Green Bay next year. And he finished his career there. Question number three. We are both. Big fans of Justin Herbert's game. Um, <laughs> what is the number one thing that team has to do to get to the playoffs? Ooh, um, invest in defense, especially obviously in the run yeah. game. Um, and they got a they got a ton of money, so you got to just spend your money wisely, Tom. Uh, invest in defense, and when you invest in defense. Guess what, Tom? You're investing in your special teams because mm. special teams comes from defensive depth. So um, you, you need that. And uh, so, yeah, I would say invest in defense in the middle of that de- defense, especially. They have splat- They have dynamic, you know, top-tier players, Bosa, Derwin James. Um, I love Asante Samuel Jr. out there. So invest, yeah, invest in defense. Jordan. And speaking of Justin Herbert, mm. I read your article, and I'm going to be honest. I was a guy forever but i never put my shopping cart back what never why would you admit Publix, this i, I, I terrorized i terrorized Publixes all around wow. South Florida. and after reading your article because of my love for justin herbert <laughs> i said you know what i'm going to be a better human uh, being 
And ever since then, I've put my car wow. every time. First of all, you're a monster. Second of all, uh, <laughs> Justin Herbert changing changing hearts and minds everywhere. What can't he do? Everywhere. What can't he do? Um, exactly, all right. Exactly. Before a question, what was worse? Sean McVay's bad challenges or Kyle Shanahan oh. punting three times in Rams territory? <laughs> By the way, bailing Sean McVay out. Big time. Yeah, I got, I, I got, what was worse, man? You, you, since, since, since Shanahan lost, <laughs> I would have to go with, with him. But if, if, man, it's hard to not say McVay. I mean, challenging spots and he, I mean, he did some bad. Green pass on the third and two. And oh, range. yeah. Like, he made some rough. great talk about Fred Warner, though, huh? As well. That was one. Fred. Yeah, great, great play. Great, great, ready to read it like he oh, always does. So but, good. Um, He's so good. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, uh, I go with Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, and and you know this is something we see more of in the playoffs. Coaches get more conservative, taking more field goals, punting in different positions than we did see. We saw fourth down revolution you know during what? the regular season. They, they hate on, and once you get in the playoffs, yeah. things get different. Mina, those points are valuable. Field position is valuable. You know, you know what would have been valuable? Picking up a freaking first down with two yards and, and icing the game. Hey, that's hard. You to got do. Debo Samuel, okay. I mean, it's hard to do. Well, yeah. How many? How many fourth downs did they? They failed a couple. Yeah. They failed a couple. They got well, stopped. Was, so you think, oh, just put Trent Williams in motion and maybe right. woo, woo, then no. But you know, hey, know. we go back to old school football in the playoffs. Okay. After turnover ratio, it's field position. That's one of the biggest indicators mm. in who wins and well, loses ball games. If there was ever so, an in- indictment of how how they actually feel about uh, Grappler there, other than you know huh? trading the whole team away for. Trey Lance, that would be it for me. Um, oh, okay. Before I get to Lenny's question, I forgot to ask you. Gun to your head, who's winning the Super Bowl? Oh man, um, I'm gonna go Matt Stafford, man. It's you know that's the story. That'll be a good narrative. You know, he once again rewriting his narrative. He beat uh, Tom Brady hmm. on his last playoff game. I'm just, yeah, so he goes and win his first one, uh, and it's kind of you know now he'll be the old head. Defending Super Bowl champ going to the next year with all these young budding superstars at quarterback. He played well. I mean, he he was so clutch. Bro, be back. Clutch on third down in particular. Just um, mm-hmm. can't give the game away. But we got a lot. We got a lot of time to talk about that game there, and there you and go. You said and, that in that matchup. Um, all right. As always, last question comes from Lenny. Lenny is a big fan of the Man to Man podcast. Everybody check it out wherever you get your pods. He hey, just wants to know, Lenny. how does it feel to be the second best DB on your own podcast? Ouch, Lenny. Wow. Damn. Wow. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it feels good. You know, I, you know, I went to the I went to the league, so, you know, I you know, you look around that locker room and, you know, you're not always the best like you've been your whole life. You know, that's when you get humbled. So, it's fine. You know, I, I, my mm. co-host is a 14-year NFL vet, mm. Super Bowl champ, mm. multiple-time Pro Bowler. Uh, you know, I won Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's got two. I mean, it's just, you know, mm. you know, it is what it is, Lenny. You okay. got to humble yourself or get humble. That's life. I'm not the best person on my podcast, and my host isn't even human, so <laughs> it's, I can relate. 